My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. In this conversation, this is actually our first ever part two podcast. Woohoo! Breaking ground, Matthew. This we is are breaking well. ground. We've got more to say. <laughs> I don't know if people want to listen to more, but we're going to say it. This is a part two to our, our consumerism versus mission conversation. So we're going to talk about some terms and ideas that if you didn't listen to the last podcast, you might want to go back and just get these broad categories. But consumerism is essentially this cultural movement where we define ourselves and our lives based on what we can consume, what we can contribute to society, our lives being built around yeah, the stuff that we can get as our, our satisfaction, our hope. And we've contrasted that with actually being on God's mission. And even in the last podcast, talked about how the church, we can sort of absorb this cultural push towards just consumption being our primary lens. How does this fit my needs, desires, preferences, and how actually getting engaged in God's mission is the antidote to that consumption, not just better consumption. So today, Matthew, what we want to do is we want to get really, really practical. We're going to have some questions. We're going to have some um, spiritual disciplines, things like that to help help us be equipped to actually engage in God's mission. Does that sound I, good? I love that you mentioned spiritual disciplines. We've got the Bible reading plan up and running on Facebook. We'd love for you guys to swing by there. And just remember, I guess, when thinking about the Bible reading plan, if you haven't started, you know what? Uh, today is one year from this day next year. So you have the opportunity to master the restart and jump into there. So, But you mentioned spiritual disciplines. That's an interesting word. I've been kind of wrestling with it on my mind in other categories. Like, Talk to us about spiritual discipline and that living on mission. Yeah, spiritual disciplines is a big category. Christians use that to talk about some things that are, are very normal in church culture and other things that have been normal in the church in the past, but are less normal now. So catch-all term Things like reading your Bible, praying consistently, some of those main and plain things, being in community, other disciplines like the discipline of confession, you know, not just confessing kind of when I really feel like it, but actually building a practice in my life of confessing my sins. Um, there's some disciplines that were really, really common through all of church history that in our culture we don't do as much, like fasting. There's a book that it's a little bit a little bit interesting, kind of from a Quaker background, but called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Um, he talks about how we live in a culture where food, for for a lot of people, is really, really accessible. You you go through a fast food drive through whatever. So the idea of intentionally making yourself hungry seems foreign, right? Now, that's not talking about people that, that are in food insecure situations, but fasting from social media, fasting from entertainment, saying voluntarily no to this thing that gives me comfort in order to say, man, I want to be hungry for God. Another discipline, silence and solitude, turning down the noise, intentionally creating some space and going, God, I want to hear from you. I want to, to slow down the chatter of my world and my mind. I don't just need to get in more information or entertainment. I need to be tuned into what you're doing. There's rich biblical themes of that and rich stuff from church history. But we as Christians in America, again, things like fasting can be totally foreign. What do you say to the person who says, I know you're not done with that thread of thought, so keep that. But what do you say to the person who talks about consumerism kind of seems busy, right? I mean, busy, give me what I want. I need it now. 
you know, to speak really generally. And then you have the verses missional. And so when you say spiritual disciplines, like the mission of God on this earth is huge. Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, okay? And then you mention stuff like fasting and you mention stuff like silence and solitude. Like how is that living on mission? It's a great question. Yeah, that's a really good question. One of the things that we have to do to get engaged in God's mission is slow down enough to actually follow where God's leading. And sometimes that looks like even building up kind of the muscles of delayed gratification because consumerism is saying, hey, if I want it now, I should get it now, right? Well, and that's tough because I mean, even when you talk about fast food and I want it now culture that we live in, I think for us folks to always remember, like we might think that we're separated from the culture and, and strive in many ways to be separate from the culture. But when you live in a culture that is so saturated with that mentality, it's always up for evaluation to see how it has crept in. I even find like even we reference the Bible reading plan. I don't want to spend 30 minutes reading because I just want it now. Like, can't yeah. I just open my Bible? Bloop, I'm done for the day, you know? Yeah. And and there's that tension with my own desire for consumerism that has crept into my life while I'm trying to apply a spiritual discipline. Yeah. So, and you haven't mentioned it too. One of the other popular spiritual disciplines is that of Sabbath. How does Sabbath fit into my mission? Yeah. So, so Sabbath is, again, another rich biblical theme. Um, for New Testament believers, a Sabbath is the idea of rest. We find our true rest, Hebrews tells us, in Jesus, his finished work on the cross, and then we build into the rhythms of our life times to slow down and enjoy God. And that might look like a 24-hour period. That might look like, if, if you know the idea of kind of three blocks of time, morning, afternoon, evening, in a row. Having some kind of Sabbath where you're intentionally not working so you can enjoy God once a week is built into the rhythms of creation and who we are. And it's intentionally saying like, my identity is not as someone who can contribute first and foremost. My identity, first and foremost, is as a created being who was created to be in relationship with the Father, in relationship with God. So when we go to God, he's not going to ask us like, hey, how much stuff can, have you done for me? Have you worked hard enough for me? He's going to say, do you know me? And it's stunning Jesus' rebuke when he's talking about separating the sheep from the goats. Many will come to him and say, I did all this stuff for you. I did all this stuff for you. And he's going to say, depart, I never knew you. Sabbath is a time of slowing down and going like, okay, God, knowing you is the most important thing. That's core to my identity. And it actually builds in protection for us too in those, in those times and seasons of life where we can do less to have a Sabbath already to go, yeah, knowing Jesus and, and loving his, him is important. And guys, I'm really bad at this. So one story, Matthew, I told you I was going to tell you this. Um, I'm the, scared. Yeah. I've been scared since so <laughs> the, the, I'm looking forward to it. Though. The, the salt staff in Cedar Rapids knows this, but I, I went on vacation with my wife. And this is one of those vacations of like, all right, we don't have any kids yet. She's just finishing school, dream vacation. We're going to Mexico resort. All you can eat. This is great, right? I, I get to a point like halfway through this, whatever, five day, seven day, whatever we're doing thing. I'm sitting on the beach and I'm watching the ocean looking around me and I go off this existential cliff. It's like, it's bizarre, but ask the salt staff and they will tell you this was a real thing. I started going to the spot of like, what am I doing? I'm wasting my time sitting here. Like, this is worthless. This is useless. Like, I'm worthless. I'm useless. I can't believe I'm spending my time here. Like, it, it went very quickly from what am I doing to I'm not good enough because I'm not doing and this question kept coming up, who am I without doing? And I, I genuinely felt like 
spiritually attacked. Not that it's bad to go on vacation, but something about my identity was off where I couldn't slow down for a week without feeling like I was worthless. That's because I had not built a good pattern of Sabbath into my life where every week I'm teaching myself to go like, no, 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 the relationship with the father, the love of the father defines me, not what I could give to him. And I I could fight truth because by God's grace, I had other disciplines like reading scripture to go back to truth. I could fight that on the mental side, but emotionally it was a scary place to be. And I I came back and honestly, my team was like worried about me and praying for me for about a week and a half Mm. because I'd come in and just I was worried that a lot of my work, even in ministry, had been covering up this hole of who am I without doing, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, But what mm -hmm. the gospel says is there is nothing I could do to be good enough for God. There's no amount of mission I could be on to to earn my way into the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Jesus accomplished it for me. So who am I without doing? I'm a recipient of grace. I'm a recipient of love. I'm a recipient of, of identity because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and the empty tomb. So my identity is now son of God, co-heir with Christ, saint, redeemed, and looking towards the day where I get to be in his presence. Mm. But I, have to, I had to fight that truth emotionally to get in my life. Mm. So Sabbath is actually fighting against consumerism because it tells me what I can contribute, what I can do, what I can earn is not as important as knowing God. Mm. And when I begin to know God, I begin to have my heart move towards the mission of God. So a lot of spiritual disciplines build up delaying gratification in a way that actually tunes us in or maybe heightens our taste buds for God himself. And when we love God, we start to love what God loves, which is his mission. Yeah. And we, we got to do a podcast on Sabbath thing. Cause I, I just, that's a weighty one. It's something that many of us just don't get in this busy psycho culture out there. So anyways, going back to kind of our main point here, like we want to really be practical about it. Spiritual disciplines has its place within this how else does living missionally look? I mean, what does it look like on Monday? What does it look like in virus time? You know, what does it look like in the summer and in the winter? What shapes does it take? That's a good question. I have some questions to help us process when it comes to consumerism sort of in our regular church life. But before we get there, yeah, what does it mean to be on mission? Um, one thing that the adult ministry team is processing right now is, is this question of who's your one? Just talked about the team with that this morning as, as of the day we're recording this. That's something that some other, other churches have come up with. We're kind of like borrowing that language, but essentially going like, okay, prayerfully, who's one person that I can share the gospel with and pray for consistently? Evangelism doesn't have to be this massive program. It's not like every day I've got a gospel bomb, one person, let's go, right? Yeah, now, amen. if that's your spiritual gift, do it, please. We need more of you. But for people like me, the rest of us, picking one person to pray for, and just ask God to open up their eyes to who he is and their ears to hear the truth, praying for opportunities to take, that will begin moving our hearts on mission and we start to do uncomfortable things, not reckless things, but uncomfortable things because we're getting onto God's mission and our hearts are getting moved. You make an interesting point there. I just got done reading the book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. I highly recommend it. In the last chapter, he talks about perseverance and you're talking about like, praying for the situation like so again referencing the spiritual disciplines pray for those disciplines to come into you but and then we talk more broadly about practical steps about reaching who's the one pray for the one pray that you would reach the one pray that you would see and have god move in that yeah in college my wife and i were um connected with salt company in ames and doing some some work with international students god had brought in 
and students from um, East Asia that had never heard about Jesus. They were just opening the Bible for the first time. And we decided we were just going to pick one person in the group and pray for them to come know Jesus. And we, we still were showing up to group, sharing the gospel with them. But every night before bed, we pray for him and prayed for one guy named Lawrence. And like three weeks later, he came to Christ. Wow. And our, our, our minds are blown, right? Yeah. So then we're like, well, we're going to do this again. So we picked another gal, um, Dao Dao, which is Chinese for knife knife, which is a sweet name. And three months later, she came to know Jesus, wow, which is nuts. Bad. Yeah. And then we picked we picked a really hard case. We picked our, our Arabic professor who was pretty antagonistic to the gospel. And we didn't get to see him come to know Jesus yet. But I'll tell you the truth. I went into class different every day. Mm. My eyes were open differently to how I could talk about Jesus in class because I'd started praying for him. Before I would gripe and complain and I was frustrated. But when I started praying, God started moving my heart. So I don't know to this day if he knows Jesus or not. But I, I do know that even praying for him, God started moving my heart. Mm-hmm. And that was good for me. One thing about mission versus consumerism in evangelism, I know I struggle with this. I think this is an American evangelical issue, which we don't want to dwell on that. But um, we want to save the world, right? I mean, we want to go and save the world. And really, saving the world or being used by God just just to impact one person is a really significant thing. So rather than trying to save your whole block, just reach out to your neighbor, the one who talks to you repetitively, or maybe the one who annoys you more, you know, like <laughs> the one who stands out, like rather than just trying to save all of Cedar Rapids, that's too big. We have to trust God to reach those folks. But who do we interact with? That's great. And walk very practically in, in with that one person or yeah. pray for that one person. I love that story. Yeah. So Nathan, what are some more practical steps as we punch through this? Yeah, we as a church want to give you compelling on-ramps for local missions. Long-term, man, we want to be a church that contributes significantly to global missions and church planting, but we want to engage you and send you out. But here's the reality. Jumping on a plane will not teach you how to share the gospel, right? Like getting on a plane at the Cedar Rapids airport and then landing in some closed country, that process isn't going to shape your character and your eyes to be on mission. God is giving you opportunities now to engage and connect with people around you. I think one of the questions that we're thinking about mission we need to process is, am I on the field or am I in the stands? It's really easy to give critique and advice when you see a team playing on TV, whatever, and to go, I would have called that differently. I would have done that differently, whatever. Or or just to go, man, those refs are idiots. What are they doing, right? Mm -hmm. But we're not on the field there. And so that, that doesn't mean we can't see anything, but... Our voices have a a much different level of weight and authority than if we're actually playing the game on the field. So even kind of as as church leaders, I want to invite you guys to get on the field with us. It's a lot easier for me to hear ideas that you have for local missions when you're off doing it and to go, hey, I'm trying this. Is this something we could try? Is this something we could think about? Rather than if if you're going, hey, the church should deal with this. Mm -hmm. Because the church isn't a building. It's not a bunch of programs. It's people. And so if Veritas is your church home, get on the field with us. And so that might look like contributing as we come up with on-ramps for 2535. I love that we're doing that. Mm -hmm. Or local partnerships we have. There's some opportunities coming up that we wanted to announce um, during our surf fair in the spring, but the whole virus thing threw us off. But getting connected in people's lives. So, so some of this fighting consumerism looks like you personally tuning into God through spiritual disciplines, mm-hmm. listening through the word, praying, building those rhythms in your life. And then some of this looks like taking one step to get on the field. 
Another thing, just as you're walking into church, I would love for you to process your consumeristic tendencies as I'm doing mine. This is some thinking from Al Mohler, who's a brilliant Christian thinker. He's kind of got three categories as we think about is something a Bible issue or more of a preference. Category one are things that we're willing to die over. This is the gospel. This is authority of scripture, how we know about the gospel and how to know God. These are things that we're saying, hey, if, if we disagree on these issues, this is in the kingdom or out of the kingdom mm-hmm. stuff. And in Galatians, Paul said, if even an angel of light comes to you with something different, let them be accursed, mm-hmm. right? Now, again, that's not everything in theology. That's a couple main things. Like what is the gospel and how do we know God? What's the authority of mm-hmm. scripture there? Category one. Category two are things that might divide our churches, that should divide our churches, because it's harder to function together in ministry. So that's things like baptism. It's harder to plant a church together if half the leadership thinks we should baptize infants and the other half thinks that we should only baptize adult believers. That doesn't mean we're out of the kingdom. Um, As Veritas, we're we're Baptists. We're going to baptize adult believers. But we love Presbyterian brothers and sisters in the kingdom. But we're saying it's harder to plant a church together. It's harder to, to run a ministry together if we disagree on some of those things. Third tier issues are things that we can exist in the same church in and live with some disagreements. Now, here's the trick. A lot of times we like to force tier three into tier two, but tier three can be things like how exactly the end times are going to play out. Mm. Now, there, there are a lot of really smart people that think through things like this, but I don't think it matters for how we function as a church to know exactly how the end times are going to function. I really don't. That doesn't mean it's not in the Bible or important, but that means when we go about evangelism and local missions, I don't think that that should divide our church. There are lots of other silly things that don't even make the list that churches divide over. What colors the carpet, you know, pews or chairs like, and I get it. People think these things are really important to their church culture. And I'm not demeaning people in that, but I am saying God's mission might actually be sacrificed when we try to force tier three or tier four things Mm -hmm. up into tier two and tier one Mm -hmm. churches dividing over worship styles or, or the exact number of programs we have for certain things that, that aren't clearly in the Bible that actually stops us from getting on God's mission because we're in the stands fighting each other and not Mm -hmm. on the field where God's inviting us. Those are great tips and things to remember as we look for missional avenues for us to jump in. Thanks for sharing that stuff with us. Really appreciate your heart for mission. And Veritas, we as a church want to equip you to do the work of the ministry, to do the work of the mission in your community. So thank you so much for listening. Nathan, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up our time? We love you, Veritas. And we want to minister out of the overflow. So as you love Jesus and engage with him, as you receive your identity from him and are reminded of that as you seek him in spiritual disciplines, he's going to call you into his mission. And a lot of times that's going to look like us giving up our preferences. But I have the sense and the prayer for our church that God would raise up more church planters. God would raise up more healthy families. God would raise up more more missionaries across the globe. When we say, hey, our preferences aren't going to drive our lives. Our comfort's not going to drive our lives. Jesus is going to drive our lives. And that's going to take us places we wouldn't have picked for ourselves, but places that are much better. 